Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Hi, good morning, everybody. And, you know, I'm back in the studio in Fort Collins. I want to say thanks to everybody. You know, Karen and I spent a lot of time in Minnesota this summer. We had three trips for various reasons, but um, we did some fishing on all of them. And I want to say thanks to everybody who followed us on that and your great comments. We had a lot of fun. We like to share things with you. That's what we do, whether it was on our television show, on our YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. You know, a lot of that was filmed right here in Colorado. You should go take a look at that. And, of course, on Facebook. Facebook we is the heart of this show. We tell people what's what's coming up. We tell people we put podcasts on there that have happened that we think are extremely timely and pertinent. We give up the day field reports when we're out there. So follow us on Facebook, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. And we have a short show today. We're gonna go till ten thirty because of an Air Force football game, but we got a lot to pack in. You know, we're getting to that fall time of the year. We got hunting. Uh Dove and Teal are both starting out looking really good. We're not going to talk a lot about that today. We figure you're probably in the field. A lot of doves. We haven't had any cold weather to push them out. So if you're an upland game hunter and you're not out, I would get out and start dove hunting because I think the pheasant season is going to be a little tough. We'll talk to Ed Gorman about that later in the next few weeks. But uh, if you want to get some good upland game, maybe a little practice, the dub might be a good idea. A lot of teal coming down already, and the teal season looks to be good. Now, regular ducks, the count is down. That doesn't mean it'll affect hunting. We'll get Brad Peterson to report on that in a few weeks. But we got a lot coming up. But we're going to talk a lot of fishing today, and we're going to talk also how you could get a job in the outdoors and make the outdoors your career. But, and we're, let's right now, let's go to the phones and joining us. He's a Hall of Fame angler. He's uh, the host of the Lake Commandos television show. And when he's not picking on me, I even call him my friend, Steve Panaz. Good morning, Steve. <laughs> Good morning, Terry. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. It's uh, beautiful weather here. We're, you know, I know we're going to talk about some products here, um, but we're, we're, we're unseasonably a little bit warm. It's in the low 90s this week. And I think people don't think the fall transitions are happening. We're going to talk about that later in the show today. But we got shorter daylight hours and cool nights in the 50s. And we're starting to see that transition to the fall bite. Is that what you think is going on in Minnesota, or is it not happening yet? You know, this morning was the first cool morning we've had in a little while. It's been in the high high 80s, low 90s the last few days in the Twin Cities area. But... You know, uh, it was this was the first week where the sunset before 8 p.m. since last, I think, June or May. And so the fall is definitely starting to happen. We're starting to see some, some leaf color change already. And, and the fish themselves are starting to act more uh, fall-like than summer-like. They're, they're, the bite's picking up, and, and things, are, things are looking good for a, a great fall. Oh, and, you know, fall is one of my favorite times of the year to fish. I... I don't hunt as much as I used to. We cover a lot of hunting on the show. We've got a lot of great experts to help us. And I used to hunt a lot, but I just choose to do more fishing in the fall. And, you know, the crowds go away. The, the Some of the best fishing, the big fish become more active again. And you have a lot of water all to yourself sometimes. 
that's one of the nice things about the fall. And our early goose season started today, and I woke up to uh, some guys in the neighborhood banging some geese. So it's, it's fun, but I look out on the lake right now, and I see one boat. And uh, normally it would be 10 or 15. So, it, uh, yeah, it's definitely a, a nice thing about fall is that you've got waters to yourself or mostly to yourself. Yeah, well, that's, we've got you on, though, to talk about some new baits. You, you and I have both been involved with uh, Berkeley, which is part of, pure fishing gosh i go back into the 80s i don't know when your relationship started but you know uh one of the reasons i've been involved with them so long is the stuff they make works they make really good products i have a lot of faith in it and every year at icast and which comes in july all the manufacturers introduce a lot of new products now sometimes we get to get those ahead of time and test them but you kind of found some new products there that you really like and one of them was a spinner bait. And I'm going to have you tell us about that in a minute. But you and I were talking on the phone earlier. And spinner baits kind of fell out of favor. You know, I can remember, gosh, when I was younger, I'm not going to say I was young, that I had a spinner bait tied on all the time. And, you know, I quit doing that. And a lot of people did too. And I think at one point fish got conditioned to spinner baits, but I think they're not used as much. And I think spinner baits are headed for a big comeback. What do you think? I agree. I think whenever you have a new wrinkle, a new bait, a new action, a new color, fish respond to it because they haven't seen it before. And spinner baits really, when, when the bladed jigs came out, a lot of the pros uh, switched over to that because it was new and it was effective. And spinner baits just haven't got the amount of press or the coverage as they used to, but it's been long enough. I believe that uh, these the timing on these new spinnerbaits is tremendous because the, the fish just uh, they haven't seen them much because they're just not being used like they had been in years past. And boy, I had a day on the water with John Cox, uh, one of the elite pros, and this past week, and it was unbelievable how many fish we caught big smallmouth, big largemouth, even some giant pike, which was a heck of a lot of fun earlier this week. Now, what separates this new spinnerbait by Berkeley from what we've seen on the market in the past? Well, one of the things they made uh, was a commitment to a, a quality, high, really high-quality component. So the blades are a little different than what's been on the market. They're, they're not as concave as a lot of the blades in the past. They've got this Fusion 19 hook, which extends all the way to the back of the, of the actual spinners, of the blades themselves. So you get great hookup ratios, and everybody who's fished a Fusion 19 will know what's going on with their, how sharp they are. And number two... They've got a bait keeper on there that they use on their half-head jig. It's the conical bait keepers. And even if you use gulp or some of the softer soft baits, they stay on extremely well. And uh, it's an impressive bait. It runs true, uh, catches a lot of fish, and, um, yeah, it, they've done it right. You know, that longer hook, uh, to me, I hate messing with stinger hooks if I don't have to. In fact, since I don't tournament fish anymore and we don't do much filming, I almost – never put a stinger hook on anymore because I, I feel that if I lose a fish here and there, that's okay. I don't have to mess with it. But having that longer hook, I'll tell you, you and I talked, I was fishing on the Mississippi River just just a week ago, and I had a spinnerbait on, and a just monster bass came up and took it, and I lost it. And I'm sure with if I would have had a longer hook or a stinger hook on there, I would have probably landed that fish. And it really can make a difference. And, and, you know, another thing, too, now, you've been using those, and you've been tipping them with the new Maxent Power Bait. Is that right? 
Yeah, it's uh, there's a number of great uh, place, you know, great baits uh, available for for tipping them. But John Cox mentioned something to me this week in the boat that I thought was really interesting. I, I had never thought of it. If you guys are fishing a lot of the power bait max scent lures, you'll notice that I don't care if you're fishing the flatworm, which is a dynamite smallmouth bait, or any of the baits, you get hammered on by panfish a lot. They just seem to really respond to max scent scent and flavor, and they'll, they'll attack the baits. Well, what John was saying is he's been tipping a lot of his baits, especially moving baits, horizontal baits, like the new slobber knocker and, and the spitter bait and others like that, with max scent type trailers because they attract panfish, and they almost create a, a situation where you've got a, like a school of bait around the spinner bait. And he believes that actually leads to more bites. And, I, you know, I had never thought of it that way before, but I, after kind of experiencing that with him this week, I mean, I, I believe it actually happens. You know, and I, I don't doubt that at all either because I was fishing a spinner bait tipped with uh, Max Scent, and I caught a bunch of big bass up in Minnesota, but the perch were continually, continually pecking at that bait. And, uh, you know, you could tell it was a little perch, and that probably aided that. And you mentioned the slobber knocker, that new, that new bait, another new bait from Berkeley. They... Because of some patents and some things, they didn't get into the bladed jig, which a lot of people refer to as chatterbaits, which is actually a brand, for quite some time. But now they have their version of that out, and it looks like it's a really good one. I haven't got to fish it yet. Tell me about that. Well, it's got a unique uh, through-head design, and it's uh, again, they use really high-quality components on this. The bait itself runs true. It, it's it's a very consistent bait as you're getting through the water. It comes in a half ounce and a, and a three-eighths ounce size. I was using it earlier this spring uh, to uh, pre-fish for a tournament and uh, running it through cabbage beds in Minnesota, and we caught walleye. We caught a lot of bass, and we had pike up to double-digit fish. This is one of those baits that uh, is super easy to fish because all you do is toss it out bringing it on a, a pretty steady retrieve with or without a trailer. I like to throw it on 15 or even 12 pound fluorocarbon and, and uh, a little bit softer tip rod to let that fish turn with it. But the hookup ratios are amazing. Number of bites on it is insane. And it's really uh, one of those high quality baits. Well, I think you and I were both a little late to the bladed jig trend, uh, partially because we uh, use a lot of baits from certain companies, but also because you know, I don't know if we were enamored with it as much. We we did some swimming jigs and things, and we used spinner baits. But um, I've become a convert lately too. As uh, in the right situations, these bladed jigs are just a uh, tremendous way to cover water. Uh, in the right situations, you can't throw them into the heaviest, heaviest cover. But boy, the edges of cover and through lighter cover or over the tops of grass, they can be just phenomenal. Yeah, early on when when there was a lot of uh, movement on the chatterbait side of things. I fished the brands that had them, but I also fished a lot of prototypes. And it was, you know, how first impressions are, are bad because I, my first couple trips with them just weren't that good. And I, I kind of relegated them to the back of the tackle box. But then I had a trip where I just crushed them on it. And it, and it really, I think one of the challenges as anglers is we, 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 you know, rely on our personal experience a little too much. And uh, we, if something doesn't work the first time we use it or it doesn't work in the first hour or two, we put it away. But one of the things I'm finding on Lake Commandos is when we stick to a pattern, 
and we start tweaking these patterns to make them work because we got to make them work during the bot, you know, during the body of the show. I'm finding that there's a lot of things you can do with speed, with retrieve, with, you know, the, the colors, the size, the line, you know, even the retrieve ratio and the reel all make a big difference. And I think that, that that's one of those baits that I didn't give due when it was, uh, when I should have, but that's no longer the case. It's, uh, the slobber knocker is just an incredible lure. Well, you know, and that retrieve, um, the only two baits I threw for the bass in the Mississippi River last week was, uh, a, a bladed jig and a spinner bait, as I said earlier, and I caught one fish, one fairly good sized pike on the bladed jig. But I went with the spinner bait and get back to your changing presentations. I go through periods where I either catch just pike or I wouldn't catch anything. And just realizing that when I was catching the pike, I was really moving it quite quickly along the weed edge. When I was catching the bass, I was stalling it as I came out of the weeds, letting it fall to the drop-off, and that's when the big bass were biting. And, boy, did I change my hookup ratio once I realized that. It's amazing when you pay attention what happens, isn't it? It is. One of the things that's interesting during Lake Commandos, because we're fishing head-to-head with the same lures, might be different colors, sizes, and that sort of thing, but the same type of bait, a lot of time one of the anglers in the boat is going to catch a ton of pike and the other one's going to catch more bass. And typically, it's a it's a speed thing. We'll look, and a lot of times I'll say, well, my guest will say, God, why are you catching bass? I'm catching pike. I said, what retrieve ratio are you using? And they'll say 8 to 1 or 9 to 1 or something like that. And it doesn't matter what bait you're throwing. A lot of times I'll say, well, i got a 7 to 1 or a 6 4 to 1 or something. So speed can influence what species you do catch, even though you're throwing the same baits. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I want to move on now to another bait that's just come out while we've still got time that I know you tied on and you talk about not giving a bait a chance. You tied this one on and never took the darn thing off. It was a new crankbait from Berkeley. Tell us about that. Well, we were in uh, South Dakota um, earlier this year in the eastern South Dakota. There's a ton of these glacial lakes. There are these lakes that just kind of took off with the heavy rains in recent years and recent decades. And they've got, they're typically shallow, lots of flats, lots of grass. And these walleyes aren't your typical walleyes in terms of, um, you can find them on mid-lake structure, but they relate to, to grass a lot more than I think anglers realize. And the new money badger came out. It comes out in a number of sizes as a four, a five, a six and a quarter, six and three quarter. And uh, I think it's a seven and a quarter. Well, we were in this uh, three to five feet of water over grass, and I threw on a number five. And I fished it on heavier um, fluorocarbon to keep it up. I wanted that thicker line to keep the bait from running into the grass. And I threw that thing for four straight days during that trip. I never took the lure off. Literally hundreds of walleyes, hundreds of pike, and uh, a lot of bonus largemouth and other species. What impressed me about the bait is it ran true. I never had to tweak it once, despite all those fish. And the finish itself, I mean, even with all those pike and walleyes on it with the big teeth, the finish was amazing. It's just one of these new baits that came out. And as soon as you throw it, you see the action, and you realize this. I, I, Jake, did we lose Steve? Yeah, we lost Steve there. All right. Well, we lost Steve, but we got through most of it. Um I was going to talk to him a little more about crankbaits and how they react. I don't know what happened there, but great segment with Steve Panaz. I mean, he's so knowledgeable. We'll get Steve back on again soon, and we'll talk about some more aspects of fishing. Uh, you know, 
Google Stephen As, Lake Commandos. Look him up on his website and his Facebook page. Uh, he's just a great guy and a great fisherman. We'll take a time out and we come back. We'll tell you how you can be, get a career in the outdoors right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. To Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. You know, Jack's has uh, locations up and down the front range, and if you're looking for your fall fishing or your hunting supplies, last year things were tough. They are very well stocked right now, but we don't know if that'll keep up. So get into a Jack's store near you if you need archery supplies, ammunition, handgun, rifles, shotguns, whatever. Uh, Fishing rods, they have a great supply of fishing rods. Stop and see them. All right, let's go to the phones. And uh, joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife, the training manager, Frank McGee. Good morning, Frank. Good morning, Terry. You know, uh, I worked with um, Al Linder and some of the people a while ago about helping people get started in careers in the outdoors. And most people who eventually take a career in the outdoors are very, very passionate about the outdoors. And uh, that's what they, they really dream about a career. And, you know, a lot of them when they're younger, they think about tournament fishing or being a hunting or fishing guide or being in the media. And those outlets are there, but they're few and far between. And a lot of their hard work and a lot of people struggle with them. But there are other opportunities. And one of the things we talked about was looking to your divisions of wildlife, your parks people, and those kind of organizations, because there are great careers. And right now, Colorado Parks and Wildlife is in the middle of a hiring uh, uh, situation. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. So right now we're actually um, hiring for both our park ranger and district wildlife manager trainee classes. Um, So we have uh, one class a year that we hire, and then we train these folks for a full year, and then they're assigned to some district or park here in Colorado. Um, and these are kind of our on the ground, um, boots on the ground, um, people that interact with the public and, uh, get to, to work with people every day and help protect our natural resources. Yeah, they're tremendous jobs. And by the way, there, I get to, because parks and wildlife has been part of my radio show since 1998, I get to interface with a lot of them and there's just so many great dedicated people and they're just, they are passionate, passionate about their parks, passionate about the outdoors. Why don't you describe the two positions, kind of give us a brief synopsis of each one. Sure. So in Colorado, we have what we call multi-purpose positions. And essentially what that means is that for our parks positions, um, they are law enforcement positions. So these are fully post-certified law enforcement positions. Um, but in addition to doing law enforcement on the park side, you're also involved in park management, um, and supervising uh, the, the different sections on parks and um, coming up with um, interpretive and education programming and a lot of things like that. And then on the wildlife side, it's a similar kind of situation where they're the primary people, district wildlife managers are the primary people responsible for enforcing wildlife law. Um, and then they're also doing the biological, educational, and kind of customer service work. So both of these positions, um, what makes them special and what makes them so much fun, really, is that every day is a different day. Um, there is no such thing as a typical day, and they get to get involved in all kinds of outdoor work, not just law well, enforcement, not just education or something like that. Well, you know, one of the things I've been impressed, you know, people think about district wildlife managers as a game warden. Boy, if you want some information on the hunting or fishing in an area, if you can 
touch base with one of those people, they will, they're so willing to help. They want to promote the outdoors. And of course the parks people are always so proud of their parks and they'll tell you what's going on and help. So you do get just a lot of positive interaction. I'm sure there can be situations, but they're great jobs. Now, what does it take? What are the qualifications you need to apply? So both of these positions do require a bachelor's degree. Um, on the park ranger position, any bachelor's degree will uh, qualify. For the district wildlife manager position, you do have to have a biology degree or something closer related like uh, environmental science or wildlife or fisheries management, something like that. Um, since those folks are so involved in helping set hunting license numbers and that kind of thing, we do, we do require the biology degree for them. Well, and you know, for you people listening out there, if you're wanting a career in wildlife and you have the qualifications, we're going to tell you in just a little bit how you can uh, sign up and and possibly apply for one of these jobs. But maybe you're, you don't have it, but you're going back to school part-time and say, wow, I'd love to work there. This is a good time to think about your major and what you're doing because, you know, if I'm not mistaken, Frank, you end up needing to hire people almost annually, right? Yeah, we have uh, a lot of these positions statewide. These are our most common entry-level positions. And so with promotions and retirements that have been happening, there are a lot of vacancies right now. So we're actually looking at hiring a very large class this year. But we do hire a class basically every year. And I guess I should also point out that uh, folks that do have um, experience working in these fields but don't yet have a degree, they can substitute their experience for their education requirement. All right. So how do I find out? How do I apply? What's the process? So the simplest way probably is just to head over to our website. Um, it's cpw.state.co.us, and uh, there will be a, a banner on there talking about these positions. You can also just click on jobs, and it will take you to the page that uh, describes both of these positions but also gives you the link. Um, it is an online application, um, and I would also say we are going to be having a little um, webinar later this month to answer any questions people have about the hiring process or the jobs. That's going to be on the 14th of September at 6.30 p.m. And the link to register for that webinar on Zoom is on there as well. Now, how long will you be taking applications? When does the deadline? So the applications are open just this month. So they opened um, on September 1st, and they'll be closing September 30th. So this is, this is the month that people have to apply. And then again, um, like you said, this is an annual opportunity typically. So they, they have an opportunity again next year, but this is just a one, once a year thing. Um, and if folks do get hired, their first several months working for us is attending a police academy. So we pay them to go to the police academy. And then we do field training for an additional seven months, basically. So it's a full year of training before they go to their first district or park. All right. It just sounds like a tremendous opportunity for somebody who's involved in the outdoors. And if I'm not mistaken, you served in some of these positions. Is that right? Yeah. So I was a district wildlife manager over in Palisade there by Grand Junction. So I worked over there for 10 years and then I was the area wildlife manager. So basically one of our field supervisors in the Colorado Springs area for an additional six or seven years. And then I've just taken on this uh, law enforcement training manager role here about a year and a half ago now. And I think you can speak personally to how re the ability to move up once you're in the organization and how rewarding the job can be, right? 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, like I say, there are a lot of promotional opportunities, which is why we're hiring every year for these entry-level positions, because there's a lot of people moving up. Um, and then, yes, I mean, this is one of those jobs. Um, my wife likes to say, uh, you know, that I get paid to do what other people do on vacation. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's an exciting career. It's a rewarding career. Every day is different. Um, you know, you're not going to become a multimillionaire working for the government like this, uh, but it is a really rewarding job um, and a meaningful one and one that's critically important for our state. All right. I couldn't have said it better. That's a good place to end it. People go online, check it out. If you wanted to work in the outdoors, it's just a tremendous opportunity. Frank, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Terry. Appreciate your time. You bet. You bet. Frank McGee. You know, if you want to be in the outdoors, this is an opportunity just to give you training. And if you want to get into law enforcement, too, you're going to get some training there. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, we're going to switch things up, and we're going to talk about why you should take a friend fishing right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. You're just a tear in my eyes each night I cry myself to sleep. You're just a memory of a love I somehow couldn't keep. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 1043 The Fan, brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. That bumper coming in was Teardrops in My Teardrop in My Eyes by Wickstrom and Dobrith, with of course is me and my partner. Um, check us out. Google us on either your favorite streaming service or online and listen to our music. Let's let us know what you think. Let's go to the phones now. And joining us we're having a little bit of technical difficulty, folks. Jake, let me know as soon as Andre's back on the line or whatever happened there. Um Andre was gonna talk to us about the Take a Friend fishing contest, so hopefully we'll get him back here in just a second. You know, it's long been known in the industry that when people start fishing when they're kids, they tend to keep fishing as they get older. But if they don't start when they're youth, they tend to uh, not start fishing or hunting in the outdoors. Andre, are you there? I'm here, yes, Terry. I don't know what happened there, but I'm here. All right, yeah, I had a bit of a technical difficulty, but now we're back. I was just starting to tell people, Andre, that, you know, We've known, it's been a long known fact through surveys and things that when people start fishing when they're young, a lot of times they continue to fish. But if they don't start when they're young, it's very seldom do they get into fishing and hunting as adults if they weren't exposed to it when they're younger. And they miss out on the opportunity. And, and I don't know why they, they don't gravitate to it more. Maybe they get other interests developed. But Colorado Parks and Wildlife is really trying to change that and give an opportunity for people to bring their adult friends into fishing, aren't they? Yeah. Um, so this is our, I want to say, our fourth year of doing this, uh, the Take a Friend Fishing Contest. <coughs> Excuse me. And we also do a Take a Friend Hunting Contest, uh, which is essentially the same thing but for hunting. And it's just an, an opportunity uh, to win some prizes, and all you need to do is take somebody fishing. Uh, basically, you both need to be 21 or older, uh, and you take somebody out fishing and the person who gets taken out fishing, uh, they have to, this has to be the very first time they've ever purchased a fishing license in Colorado, or it's just their second fishing license ever. So like a second year angler, or it's somebody who maybe hasn't bought a license in the last five years. Somebody who kind of got away from fishing and they're being brought back in. Um, so those are the parameters for 
entering the competition. And it's very simple. You just take them out fishing. You take a picture of yourselves enjoying the day on the water, and then you submit like a hundred word blurb, and you're entered. It's super, super easy to do it. And uh, I'm actually looking for more submissions because we haven't gotten that many this year, which is surprising considering how easy it is to enter. Yeah, and I'll. Uh, I want to use some great prizes too. I'm going to get to that, but first of all, as far as the details of the contest are online, is that right? So, if they, how would they find the, the details of how to enter? Yeah, if they go to excuse me, the CPW website, um, cpw.state.co.us, or just Google Colorado Parks Model Up, it'll pop right up. Um, if you, there's a search bar, type in "Take a Friend Fishing" and it'll pop right up. A lot of times, there's even a link right on the landing page. Uh, but if it's not there in the search box, type take a friend fishing and it'll pop right up, give you all the details, the rules, as well as the full list of prizes and the entry forms right there online where you submit your photograph and your little blurb about how much fun you had. Now, you've got great prizes, but before we even get to that, the reward of watching someone catch a fish, either for the first time or that hasn't done it much or that's getting new into fishing I know personally, I love taking people fishing and it, it just, I, it's exhilarating to me more watching them catch fish, even more than catching one myself, but it's an easy thing to do. And everybody has a friend or an acquaintance that maybe they'd like to get out with them. And maybe you develop a brand new fishing, brand new fishing buddy. And this is pretty much like a year round contest with drawings at different intervals. Is that right? Yeah, uh, the contest opens in April, basically right around the time you buy your yearly fishing license, and it wraps up at the end of February. So, And we do three different uh, uh, winter selections. So we just did our July one uh, a few months ago, and the next one will be October, and then the final uh, winner will be uh, chosen at the end of the contest in February. So if you enter right now and you're not selected in October, you're still in it. Uh, and have a chance for that final one in February. So everybody remains active until the year ends in February. And this can be virtually any kind of fishing, right? It could be lake fishing, conventional, fly fishing, fishing a river. It could be ice fishing. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I've I've had people submit for ice fishing. People submit uh, uh, fly fishing, spin casting. Um, I had somebody uh, that won last year where it was uh, co-workers, and one of them was just talking one day about how they had a great time fishing over the weekend, and their co-worker was like, you know, I've never gone fishing. So the other guy was like, hey, why don't we go out on my boat? And they went out uh, for some lake trout on Lake Granby, and they won. <laughs> so, And both people get a prize. So the person who takes somebody out, the mentor, as well as the person who's taken out, the mentee, you both get prizes. And tell people, these are nice prizes. Give them people an idea what kind of prizes you're giving away. Yeah, I've actually kind of been upping the prizes every year. Um, so we have uh, 10 car rods. We have beginner setups. So if you're the mentee who's never gone out before, I have a full spin cast setup with like $350 worth of tackle plus a rod and reel and a net. I have the exact same thing for fly fishing. So if you're a beginner and you want to get into spin cast and have your setup, if you want to get into fly fishing and have your beginner setup, um, if you're the mentor and you might have that beginner stuff already, I have top of the line gear. I have Orvis uh, fly rods with Ross reels. So that's like a $900 setup right there. Uh, basically a $600 fly rod with a $300 custom made uh, Colorado Ross reel. 
And I have cooler packages uh, with $300 Cabela's coolers and $300 Yeti coolers. You get both coolers in that package. Um, so some very, very valuable stuff. I have guided trips uh, from Trout's uh, Fly Shop right here in Denver. They have a guided trip on the Platte River. Uh, full day waiting trip, that's on the table for anybody who wins as well. Yeah, it's just the prizes are amazing. Tell people again where they can find how to enter and and the list of prizes. Sure, just go to the CPW website, which is cpw.state.co.us, or just Google search Colorado Parks and Wildlife. On that main page, there's a search button at the top. Type in Take a Friend Fishing, and it'll take you right to that contest with all the information as well as the entry form, which is right online. All right. Thank you so much. I think that people, if you've never taken somebody, if you're an avid angler, and even if you're just an average angler, you don't have to be that good. If you understand enough about fishing to take somebody out and help them catch a fish that's either never fished or hardly ever fished before in their life, not only will you change their life, but the personal reward of seeing their reaction they'll have is so well worth it. So take a look at that. If you think of somebody that you'd like to take out, give it a shot and see what happens. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, we'll have more outdoors on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. And let's go to the phones. And joining us from Elkwoods Insurance is Sean Early. Good morning, Sean. Hey, good morning, Terry. How are you today? You know, I'm doing great. And if I'm not mistaken, you're down at John Martin Reservoir right now. Is that right? I am. I'm sitting down in the hasty campground, just finished breakfast, and getting everything rigged up to go up to the lake and do some kayak fishing. What what's it like camping at John Martin? I've fished John Martin, but I've never stayed there. What are the campgrounds like? And kind of describe the experience of camping there. Yeah, so they have uh, two different campgrounds. One is called the Point Campground. It's pretty wide open, um, primitive camping. There's no hookups or anything like that. And then down at the Hasty Campground, which is below the dam, is just beautiful. There's trees everywhere. There's a kid's playground. They have a shower house, electric hookups up to 50 amps. And just you're 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 far enough away from people that it kind of feels like that you're camping by yourself, but close enough that you can still get some home um, amenities with the bathrooms and the showers. You know, John Martin is a tremendous fishery, but it does fluctuate in water level. Is there a pretty good water level down there right now? Can I know you're going to kayak fish? You love to do that, but if I was to bring my boat down, would I be able to launch? You would be able to launch from one boat ramp uh, right now. The west boat ramp is out of the water right now, so it's closed. But the east boat ramp is long enough. People are launching their boats and getting their water skiing in and fishing. Well, and I know you like to go down there and chase the white bass and the sawgye and even a largemouth and the drum down there from your kayaks. And that can be a really blast. In fact, even from a regular boat, the white bass, when they're going down there, can be one of the most exciting fishing experiences. It can be just unbelievable. You probably haven't got out to do that yet, but I know you also fish that spillway for catfish, and you're starting to have some success there. Have you had a chance to do that yet this trip? No, we got in pretty late last night. We took our time uh, just driving to make sure we got here safe. Um, so I was going to run up to the tackle box, which is the local, um, local like tackle bait shop here in town. And I was going to see what they were 
here and out of the spillway. So, um, but I haven't been over there yet. I've had very good success over in the spillway with catfish and with walleye. So, yes, describe that that fishing. It's just shore fishing. It's a spillway. But I think catfish are very under underutilized resource. What what is there some big catfish in that spillway? Yeah, when I was here a month ago, somebody caught a thirty pounder out of the spillway, and they took a picture and they posted it up in the uh, tackle shop up there. I actually that's a picture I sent you um, of that big catfish. Yeah, that was a great catfish. Yeah, there are a lot of people that right right as the sun starts going down, they go up there and they set up for catfish. Oh yeah, it's, it's amazing. Well, you're optimistic. Uh, you've had pretty good success with the white bass before. Any particular presentations you like for them when you get out in the lake on your kayaks? Yeah, I like to to vert or to vertical jig or jig a uh, a mimic minnow. That seems to be pretty high success out here for not just the white bass but also the crappie. All right, my friend. Well, before we let you go. I know you're going through this, and a lot of people go through this. I know my neighbor's going through it. I'm past this stage, thankfully, but they've got youngsters that are starting to drive. That can be uh, can cause some expensive insurance needs. Do you have some advice? I do have some advice. Uh, so when you get that first quote after you had your 16-year-old newly licensed driver, you're going to get in some shock. But there are some ways to get some discounts. Um, attending a defensive driver course, uh, very you know inexpensive at and there's driver there's driving schools everywhere in the metro area it, uh, you can also um, submit their report cards and if they have a 3.0 or a b average they can get a discount for good students and then also just let me do the shopping for you i have 14 carriers that i can run all the rates through and i have some carriers that really like to give good rates for the people who have youthful drivers well, all right, so how do they get a hold of you if they want to do that? All my contact information can be found at www.elkwoodsinsurance.com. All right, my friend, thank you for joining us. Get out there and catch some fish. We expect next time you're on to get an updated fishing report from down there. I'll, I'll get all the details for you, Terry. All right. Thanks, Sean. Good luck out there. Yes, thank you. You guys have a good day. You bet. That's Sean Early. He's... um. He's really, uh, he's our, one of our newest partners on the show. He's been a fan of the show and he talks and he, I've known him for quite some time. He's an avid ice angler. In fact, I think he even does still some guiding for ice fishing. He'll be out archery hunting for elk here soon. He's, you heard he loves to camp and fish. He understands the needs of outdoor people and you're wanting to be on the water. Let him shop your insurance and he'll find you a good race. Oh, boy, I tell you what, I've, I'm glad my kids are older than those um, than than some of the uh, some of what these my neighbor and him are going through. I know it can be expensive, but I'm sure with all the companies he has and all the different discounts available, he can find the right deal for you. So go to ElkwoodsInsurance.com and give him a try. And now before we go to break, a couple of things I want to I want to do some housekeeping here. Uh, first of all, there's a Wildlife Commission meeting September 8th and 9th. And it's going to be live on CPW's YouTube channel. Now, it's a little difficult to find, but if you go to the Parks and Wildlife and search Wildlife Commission meeting, eventually you'll find it. And and then I'm sure if you search their YouTube channel, you'll find information too. But if you've never been to a commission meeting, you know, these are where the rules and regulations are set. 
it's going to be an all day, I think day and a half maybe type thing. Poke your nose in and listen to parts of it. Get an idea how the outdoors is run in Colorado, how the decisions are made. Maybe you want to start becoming part of some of these meetings because you have a passion for what's going on. You know, they'll talk about everything from hunting regulations to the wolf introduction program to agricultural impact of wildlife to uh, fishing seasons and bag limits. And I'm not sure what the agenda is for this one, but that's September 8th and 9th, and it's live on CPW's CPW's YouTube channel. Uh, We're going to start talking a little more upland game and waterfall hunting over the next few weeks. And what I really want to make sure uh, people know is that I haven't talked to Ed Gorman yet, but we're not hearing real positive reports on Upland Game. Now, until we get the final report, that doesn't mean there won't be good opportunity. And even when opportunities are down, there's birds. You just have to work for them. And we're going to try to key you into that. But right now, dove season is open. And I am hearing just great reports of numbers of doves. And you know what's going to happen is eventually we will get a little bit of cold weather that will push those doves out. But then we'll get another push from the north of the doves that will come down. So kind of keep track of that. If you have a youngster that you want to introduce to shotgun hunting sports, the doves are just perfect. Nate Zielinski takes his kids out dove hunting. and they, I think they just go with him because they're fairly young yet. Opening day of dove season, it's a tradition. He takes his two youngsters out into the field to dove hunt. And it's a great opportunity. There's a number of places you can do it. Doves are great table fare, and right now there's a lot of doves out there. So if you ever wanted to get into dove hunting, this year might be the chance. Also, duck numbers are down. I don't know how it's going to affect hunting. A lot of that's going to depend on the weather and how the flights come down. And, of course, there's plenty of geese, and some ducks are better than others. But the teal has started already, and their numbers look good, and that would be another opportunity to get out there and hunt. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, Matt Ensley is going to join us, and we're going to talk key fall fishing bites right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan.